Two movies enter, one movie leaves as we watch two shoot to kills. One, a noir film from the 1940s. The other one, a film from the 1980s that brings back Sidney Poitier, as well as Tom Berenger and, and Christy Alley. All today's next film. Welcome to the There Can Be Only One podcast, where we watch two movies that have the same title and don't have anything to do with each other, because we really want to watch remakes and reboots, don't we? No, we don't. We want to watch those oddball films that, for whatever reason, felt like the other one wasn't that important, so they just went ahead and named their film after it. My name is Robert Rao, and joining me today is... Herman Omega Prime Davis. This was something that was a six degrees of separation sort of finding, uh, mm. as as you may know... Instant Watcher it catalogs everything that comes out on Netflix and Amazon. Hulu still does not have a Instant Watcher that is reliable enough to look up the new stuff. It's actually easier to just go to the Hulu's front page and see what they suggest. It doesn't give you any of those hidden gems, which doesn't work very well for this podcast. But they mentioned a film that came out in the mid-80s called The Chase. And I know that there's plenty of other versions of The Chase, including a Charlie Sheen version where he's got uh, Christy Swanson in a car. Yeah. Um, he also dresses as a clown at some point. He did that for a living. That's right, right. He, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, there there was like a moment where she tried to picture him as a clown, and it just didn't come out right. Well, there was another film that came out called The Chase, and it looked interesting enough. So I was trying to find a trailer for it, and the trailer brought me to Shoot to Kill, which was this film that we watched from the mid-'80s, starring Sidney Poitier, Tom Berenger, Kirstie Alley, but for whatever reason said the chase, I'm guessing it involved the scene that happens where they're chasing him from one point to the next point, but that isn't the name of the movie, but because Instant Watcher isn't exactly an exact science finding (laughs) things on YouTube, it pulled up that scene instead, and well, lo and behold, just because it is what it is, there are other versions of Shoot to Kill, and we found one from 1947. Actually, this is it. This is, these are the only two. I didn't have to uh, look for another one and just throw it out because it's a documentary or was a subject I didn't want to, anything to do with. The, was, both, both of these were subjects that were fine enough. Uh, I was uh, getting confused at first with Shoot 'em Up. The, um, right. The, the Clive came, Owen. And, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, your other boy. The, your other boy, yes. Paul yeah. Giamatti. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, this is the Oscar winner. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I got confused with that. I, I mean, that would have been a good Shoot to Kill movie if they named it that. But no, they named these two movies Shoot to Kill. And we got to decide which one deserved the title and which one doesn't. So the first movie we, uh, on the, that we watched was the film Noir from 1947. And uh, do you have a trailer set for this one? <laughs> yes, we do, Herman. Well, let's give the people a taste a cl- of the trailer. It's, it's just a clip of the movie. It's that clip that you saw where they were talking about how crime has run rampant around here. And then oh. they, you saw that women's group that also was like, we should do something about this. And yeah. they're like, yes, we should. Oh, back, back when women's groups were a thing. <laughs> so since you just described that, are we going to still play the trailer? Yeah, we, yeah. yeah okay. it doesn't feature any of the stars or anything. It's just a, um, a clip of showing like, hey, this is a good setup. We're in a town filled with, with nothing but disgust and uh, for the mayhem and murder that uh, that occurs around here. So, here it is. 
43 burglaries, 38 car thefts, 26 holdups, 14 assaults for the worst single day of crime in the city's history. Has law enforcement collapsed because John Forsythe is unable to be here to hold the reins? Is it possible that his young assistant, whose record promised so much, is after all unequal to his task? The police alone cannot halt this crime orgy. The office of district attorney has more potent weapons. Is Lawrence Dale going to use them? This wave of crime and terror must stop. This unbridled lawlessness is menacing our institutions, our homes, our children, our very lives. Ladies, as responsible citizens of this community, I call upon you to help me bring every ounce of pressure we can to bear upon the district attorney's office that this disgrace may be wiped out. And we're back, everybody. Yeah, that was uh, that's the closest thing to a trailer that exists mm. for this thing. Uh, no, really, this movie is about uh, a woman's confession on what seems to be her deathbed. So, <laughs> so at the beginning, you see this uh, car chase with uh, the coppers chasing on the heels of these bad guys, and the 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 car because it's not dr- driven very well goes off the side of a cliff, and two of the occupants dead immediately. Third one hanging by a thread is the only woman that was in the car. You find out the woman was married to one of the guys in there, and lo and behold, he is the new district attorney, the one that the next day will become sworn into office to hold and protect the law sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The third occupant is a wooden criminal and a guy on the lam for, uh, uh, from a 20-year <laughs> service that he's having. How do all these people connect? Well, we'll find out because they gave her a sedative which makes her tell the truth to a T and tells it to a newspaper reporter. Now, this newspaper reporter is nobody, uh, not not just a nobody. He's also a guy that had the hots for this woman immediately. You find out, like, uh, he, he, he had no way of, like, holding back. He's like, wah, 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 boom, turns right into, like, a... Like one of those cartoon wolves when he saw her, mm-hmm. and uh, Pepe the Pew and everything. Yeah, and and uh, so they you basically flash to six months before you see he uh, the this guy who's going to be the next di- district attorney. He is the assistant to the district attorney, so he's not he's not there yet. <laughs> the assistant to the assistant. Yeah, his his name is Lawrence, and he looks just like Paula Tompkins. He has like slick back hair and the uh, the pencil thin mustache. He's a little heavier. Or it, it, so he'd be like a blown up version of uh, John Waters if you if you're trying to get a look at what this guy was. The reporter just looks like a reporter. His name's Mitchell or Mitch. I think is what they called him the whole time. Mm-hmm. In in here it says George Mitchell. I don't think anybody called him George in this entire. No, movie. he went by Mitch. His last yeah. name is Mitchell, but he's the, everybody the woman's Mitch. name is Marion, and she's there uh, because she's going to become his secretary. And they're like, oh sweet. So uh, there's a six-month period of both of these guys trying to date her, and you get to see all the glamorous night spots in this town. They don't say what town this is in, right? No, I'm going to go ahead and say San Francisco. Yeah, why not? Sure. It had plenty of uh, things to do outside, especially lunch locations, which is something that is so direly needed in this town to have like live entertainment and people just hooping and hollering and drinking during lunch. Something yeah. you never see these days. Yeah, Herman Herman swore this was like a dinner date. Yeah. And it was she was there bright early in the morning to 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 get this interview and he's like, No, I'm taking you out and we're gonna walk around idly for eight hours before it becomes dinner time. Yeah, yeah, get to know each other. Sure. 
it, it is not the case, unfortunately. It, this is exactly what happens. Uh, they decided to accommodate this artist who has uh, got several songs that he wrote for this movie specifically. Do you remember the guy's name that did this? No, I don't. It, he didn't sorry. sing it. He just he just played the piano. He played uh, a, he played the heck out of that damn piano. Right, right, right. I mean, he was getting down. He was <laughs> he was snapping his fingers in the middle of playing it and stuff, and just right, and just rocking and rolling. So uh, the the whole reason Marion was was hanging around uh, uh, this guy Lawrence is because. Uh, Lawrence put away a guy named Dixie Logan for 20 years and at the court hearing, which is something that does not penalize him. He's like, I'll make sure to pay you a visit so you can get the full payment of my... It's like, there's, the judge in the background isn't like, hey, I heard that. 40 years. <laughs> yeah. 60 years. Contempt the court. Yeah. Such a mouth. Yeah. You, 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 don't, you don't just then turn around and threaten the guy. Didn't matter anyway. He escaped from prison. Uh, and And now... Uh, it turns out that uh, uh, there, there's some weird things going on in between, let's say, Edmund, Marion, uh, no, excuse me, Lawrence. Lawrence, who's the DA. Yeah, I was about to say, Marian, who's Edmund? Uh, Edmund is the guy's name in real life. That's okay. what it was like. Right. D- uh, Dixie Logan and a, and a fourth party who uh, was named Miller. Yeah, right, he was right? the gangster. Right. Uh, so... So uh, Lawrence is in the pocket of another gangster. You find out Dixie was just being set up this entire time. You also find out that Dixie was married to Marion. What? Mm-hmm. And that was the whole reason why that he, uh, why, why she decided to become uh, her secretary. Yeah, because she was trying to uncover truth to free her husband's name because he, she knew he was such a good person. Right. Until he proved to her that he was a low-down, rotten scoundrel. It took about like seven twists before we get to this. Seven? Hour. It took a lot. I, I thought it was like more like ten. <laughs> it, it, it took a lot before we got to that knowledge. We, if you want to go and watch it, it's only an hour. It, yeah, it's it's one of those. Things. And ten minutes of that is good music. Yeah, yeah. You you have you have the soundtrack where he's playing. You go and you go to shoot to kill to shoot to kill. You know, like in James Bond films, yeah. he just. He's he's the the person that that sings it at the beginning. Yeah, cha 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 cha. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what he does. Yeah. Uh, and uh, everything else that happens is almost like a red herring leading up to this point. Uh, you you see Mitchell getting involved in this for whatever reason, like during this whole thing, including one of the attempts at his life, but but nothing really happens of it. They, I think they just needed some exciting scenes at points, like you, you needed to have him crawling down the stairs with Dixie. Then uh, they sped it up to make it look like they were falling, but they were just carefully falling over each other during that time, just like you would do if you don't have a stunt double. Mm-hmm. There might not have been stunt doubles at they, that point. I think they sped it up. That's what it looked like. Well, that's what I, what I said. They carefully oh. fell down the stairs, then they sped it up. Oh, I didn't hear you. <laughs> of course you didn't. It's like, <laughs> when do I get to talk? Never. Well, fuck him. Yeah, I wasn't listening. <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, you basically just said, eh, who cares? Whatever. Yeah. So, um, but what what leads what you basically find out is is even though that she is complicit in the knowledge of both of these people's uh, bad doings, she's just a woman, and it doesn't matter. And Mitchell's like, <laughs> after he finds out about the story, he goes, "Man, this is going to be like a, a story that's going to be win me the Pulitzer." And he turns to uh, the the current DA who uh, because. I guess there's a law that says if the if the next DA isn't going to be uh, 
there, he gets to keep his job yeah, sort like of thing. Yeah, runner up then. Yeah, yeah, even though he didn't, I don't think he even ran for that job. So he's just, he's like, I guess I get to keep my job sort of thing. Until they name a successor. Right. So he turns to the, the old DA and he's like, it, it would have been a good story, but I can't tell it, can I? And it's because I love this woman too gosh darn much. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to get married and go out to that, out and eat lunch every day at this one location Cause it's the best location in town, baby, sort of thing, and then the credits roll. So the, this movie is it, it it's it's one of those fast paced silly noirs. Uh, the reason it it's kind of irritating near the end is because it does. It, if you have somebody even complicit enough to where they're just an accessory to everything that's going on, like this woman is, what Marion has done this entire time, and she still gets a happy ending at the end. Then it doesn't follow the laws that they've set for themselves, no, especially I, for noir films. I think you're missing the point on this. She wasn't an accessory. She went there to find the truth to free an innocent man who she believed was an innocent man and was innocent of the charges that was brought up against him. Right. Along the process, but she still found, was in on the whole thing. Along the process, she found out the man that she thought was such an innocent man was a dirt, little dirty riding scoundrel. So she decided, like, you know what? I'm just going to send the evidence in anyway, and even though it's going to exonerate you, it's still going to send you back to jail. No. Yes. No, and then they took I, a hostage. They took a hostage at the end, so she was the damsel in distress at the end. Not really. Oh, come you're, on. You're mixing our second movie a little bit too much in there. No, they they not, did have a, a nice, uh, a nice uh, a slap that you don't see these days on women. Where when Dixie was <laughs> when Dixie realized that uh, that he had turned in the uh, that she had turned in the evidence he went whap and she fell right down to the floor and and both of us turned and was like yep that's the way it was baby yeah. that that was uh, that's the only penalty you'll get yeah is your is your I guess current husband since they the other one uh, the other marriage didn't really exist yeah because she didn't want to be see she she went to the great lengths to not be a criminal but she didn't want to be uh, guilty of bigamy uh, whatever oh come on man she's a she's a hero in this movie no she isn't yes she is she made up that whole story anyway because she was on drugs and she was imagining this she she did a flashback within a flashback of the what we watched anyway. Some of the things that you typically see in these type of films happen. There was a court scene where someone gets shot in the court and gets away with it because mm-hmm. <laughs> cause nobody pays attention to that stuff. The uh, Everybody's just kind of looking at the dead guy and went, huh, these things happen. That also happens like as a drive-by shooting thing where Marion looks like she's going to get shot at some point and uh, the, uh, the guy uh, turns to his buddy or the one that just married him and says, look, I think they're after me because of what I did to Dixie. So why don't you keep this a little hush hush? Mm-hmm. You can just like for resale value say like your house just needed like that 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 extra bullet hole in it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, get get some more air going, you know, right. air vent. But I have a question, like the DA. No, this movie wrapped it up. I don't know no, see no, where no, you got no, any questions no, 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 at all no, from no, this no, thing. Nineteen no, forties no. <laughs> district attorney was this such that was this that much of an important? Uh, job. I mean, well, compared to what it is now, can you name the EBR district attorney right now? It doesn't matter if you name it or not name it. The idea is it's an elected position, uh-huh. and uh, it, it, those hold a prestigious uh, level that you don't but normally it just expect. It seemed like back then the respect level of a DA was way, way, way higher. Like they put the DA more. That's in charge. your question. Yeah. Look, I mean now. 
Do you realize what happened in The Dark Knight? What was Harvey Dent in that movie? <laughs> he was Two-Face. He was the district attorney. <laughs> and he held, he was like the other guy besides Bruce Wayne in town that everybody was like, Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent, you're the best man in the world sort of thing. Yes, that's how you work because these Because that films. comic was written in the 1930s, though. But nowadays, we put more onus on the police chiefs. Then we do the district attorney. Boy, Hatfield is spinning in his grave right now. You think Batman was written in the 30s? When was it written? It was, it was, I thought it was 40s. One of 40s? Maybe it is the 30s. Hatfield, you, cannot, you can stop spinning <laughs> in the grave. It's not like you listen to this anyway. Yeah, I know. He just suggests things and then say, I'm going to show up. Never. And, he, and Two-Face was a, a Batman the Animated Series creation, wasn't he? Uh, no, he was, uh, he was around before Batman the Animated Series. Are you sure? No, they they didn't. They had a Two Face before that. Uh, he wasn't in the. He wasn't in the. He was the, in the, uh, the 60s. He was in the Michael Keaton movie. He was. He was a character. The guy that played, you know, like Harvey Dent, was a character in the series. Yes, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean anything. Mm. When did Two Face happen? I don't know, man. I'm trying to think. They did create somebody for the Batman animated series. I don't think it was Two Face. Maybe they created Catwoman for Batman. No, they they definitely did Harley Quinn. That's that's one. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Harley Quinn was created. She's uh, new. I think Two Face's been around for a while. Detective Comics '66. See, all right. But he but he wasn't in the show. He wasn't in the show with Adam West. They had all sorts of dumb shit in there. That's why it (laughs) it seems like that would have been something that would have also been in there. So, so so what? (laughs) All right then. Well. Just but what's your question? What the <laughs> fuck is your question about this? It's not. That's not. That's your question. Yeah, I was that, just, that, there's I was nothing just, to be questioned about. I was just on surprised that. at how important the district attorney was. Like 1939. <laughs> it's barely the 30s. That's oh, when it came out. I was right. No, but the nobody's is, I right. right. I was right. 1930s. No, nobody's <laughs> right about that shit. But uh, I think this movie should change its title. Yes, I do think that the this movie needs to change its title like, mm-hmm. because. The, there is, the, the the title's mentioned in passing at some point, but it's it does little like the the two main characters aren't actually going around shooting people to kill sort of thing. No, it's not. You don't have that level of uh, adventure or action in this movie. You're you're dealing with uh, a district attorney, and I I, I had a, a punny title that I came up with where it was attorney bout is fair play. Mm. <laughs> because turnabout is fair play, but attorney bouts is even more fair play. So you could also that or court date. I think was also another one that I came up with because they're both courting this young lady here, mm-hmm. and it turns out that they also are part of court systems. So mm-hmm. what's your title? Well, I had a couple of them. You know, I was thinking about uh, Miller's double crossing. Which, not a big enough character. You know, okay, not a big enough character. Attorney's not- privilege. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Really? Yeah. How <laughs> you even know? Come on, you got uh-uh. you 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 agreed to that too fast. Is something up your sleeve? Because <laughs> you have a big sleeve on right now. Yes, I do. I mean, you could fit a lot of things up that sleeve right now. So what's going on? Uh huh. What you? You're just you? jealous that I found a shirt that matches <laughs> your your dumbass elephant shirt that you always yeah, have. It does. It does. Privilege. Yeah. There is. There's nothing else called attorney's pri- attorney privilege. That's fine. God. I'm fine with that. Goddamn. Uh, we got Mar- re- we got Marcus episode. That's the quickest you ever agree with me. What you get titles all the time. Yeah, but not that easy. All right, fine. 
Thank you. Boo! This oh, is a horrible <laughs> title. This title sucks, Herman. Okay, I'm fine with it. There, you had your, your angst-filled point. Now it comes up. Okay. I was just tired of being angry because of the whole Batman thing and you being like, like perplexed about like a district attorney and like people knowing who he is. Like he's a garbage man of some kind. It's like, who's this guy who deals with poo-poo all day that everybody knows? The funny thing about That's it is... That's just what happens I don't, The funny thing about it, I don't even stay in New Orleans no more, but I know the district attorney of New Orleans. I can't name the district attorney of East Baton Rouge. Yeah, it's whoever it is. Who cares? Know, they just, didn't turn into Harvey Dent. But... But it's mentioned in newspapers, and when we cared about that sort of thing, that's all they talked about in the newspaper. So he would know who it is. Like uh, what happened the other night, the, the guy that came up on stage for uh, trivial objections, and, and Jeremy White's all excited because he was like a secretary of state, <laughs> and he's like telling me this stuff. He's like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah. Like this is something that happened. They were like, he quit because of a, a, a marital scandal or something like that, and I'm still shrugging my shoulders because. I wasn't paying attention to yeah. any of that local news whatsoever. I, I, I was like, yeah. and this makes me horrible for for whatever reason. Both Herman and I getting roped into that uh, that the thing that we did in March, yeah. uh, where where we're supposed to be journalists. It's like I don't think we can name who the lieutenant governor is. I don't think either one of us could. No, I can name the lieutenant governor. Who is that? Uh, Go for it, Billy. Exactly, <laughs> Billy Nungesser. There we go. Uh huh. There we go. Sure. Yes. Sure. Yes. You, he says the guy who just pulled up his phone and got that information. <laughs> yes. All right, let's talk about the film that uh, we were actually pretty excited to see. Both of these uh, relatively high on IMDb. The second one uh, a bit higher. It's just one of those films that maybe just lost through the, the time that when it came out, it's just not as a big of a deal anymore sort of thing. So we're going to talk about it, or we're going to show the trailer because it's got one of those cool voiceover trailers that we found. Starting right now. An unstoppable killer is on the loose. A killer no one has ever seen in a place no one has ever been. Enter FBI Special Expert Warren Stanton. This man is mine. It's the very best. Shoot down! Against the very worst. I'm going to pull the trigger! And only one will survive. Sidney Poitier, Tom Berenger. Let her go or die! Shoot to kill. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. The year is 2018. Two middle-aged men sit in the studio and do a podcast. Studio? Yes. If studio. I had a studio apartment, that would make sense. Sir, but... do I interrupt you on your trailers? Yes, you do. Uh, but All anyway. the time. Anyway, back and... to there can be only one podcast. <laughs> Uh, we found out from this that uh, Sidney Poitier, probably because he was 50, decided to take a break from movies mm-hmm. in the late 70s and then thought, you know what? I'm, I'm, I, I kind of want to come back. Yeah. The, the draw of, of, this, of this world, I, like maybe he finished the quilt he's been knitting this entire time. And he's like, what else can I do? Why, I can make a film with Tom Berenger and Kirstie Alley. How about that? Did he get sick or something? Because I think he missed out on, on a lot of golden, a lot of good opportunities in the, in the early 80s on movies. So. He may have, but okay. it just like they just said he, he took a break. That's all it said while uh, like this was the uh, grand return because the film he had before that was in 77, and this was in 88. Yeah. Uh, so he, had, he, uh, he was in the 60s. When this film came out, it, it may have been fifty nine, sixty. Whenever this film was, uh, when whenever this film was uh, actually filmed, mm-hmm. there was another one called Little Nikita that was filmed at the same time that he was a part of. 
but maybe he just felt like he wasn't getting enough roles that he wanted to do. So he just took a break and he waited for something to come up. That's That might have been something he tried. And he was very uh, selective on, on his roles. He did not take any role that would paint him like in, in a bad light. So he was very selective. So maybe, maybe that's what it was. And plus, he haven't been he he been acting since he was 10. Maybe. Yeah, so he, 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 he deserved a break. Sure. So uh, what happens in this is you have Sidney Poitier wearing a suit, Natch. He is part of the <laughs> FBI. Uh, there's a guy that breaks into his own jewelry store. Fishy. Yes. Why is he doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's not able to wrap up diamonds the proper way. Right, right. He, he does a, a piss poor job of trying to uh, get diamonds out. Like, he doesn't have a bag for it or anything. Like, when I get jewelry for my mom for Mother's Day, they have, like, a special bag that they send it in. Do you ever get the treatment, like, when you buy something from places trying to be fancier than it is, that the, that the, uh, Clerk will walk from behind the the desk over to you, like around the uh, the desk, over to you and hand you the bag with it in it, and it's just like a gift certificate inside, and that always bothers me. But it's something that they have to do, so I had to play along with it. it was like, ooh, how fancy, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, I was like, lady, we at Walmart. Why we gotta do all this? Come on now. My uh, my parents like this place uh, called uh, Brighton. No, it's a Brighton. Is that what the place next to? Uh, well, not next to, but in the same shopping center as Whole Foods. I think it's called Brighton. But uh, it, normal stuff that you would buy everywhere else that would cost like ten bucks is like seventy five bucks over there. That's usually <laughs> that's usually the markup of like we got we're giving you cookies, uh-huh. so we, you're you're gonna pay four hundred bucks for a handbag that normally costs like fifty bucks. Hmm. But anyway, uh, uh, getting away from this, Sydney Poitier like is asking this person, "Hey, why did you need these diamonds from your own store? I don't know what you mean." Ah, my wife. You know, he does that sort of thing where you find out somebody has broken into his house and put his wife on hostage saying, you give me some diamonds. And yeah. and uh, so uh, they they go over to his house. Uh, they find out how serious he is uh, by seeing the maid get exploded on the lawn. And now uh, there's a, a slow car chase to the pier with the wife and this, this mystery guy. And eventually he gets away. So they're like, damn it, he gets away sort of thing. And also the wife dies. Yes. It, a, lot of, a lot of things go wrong in this. This is a, is a huge black eye, uh, mainly because he shot her through the eye. But it, uh, like he's completely angry about this. He's like, I'm going to catch this guy sort of thing. It's very much a Popeye Doyle situation from French Connection. He's, he's going to do whatever it takes to get this guy. And boy, howdy, we're going to find out what it takes because they find out... That they that there is a dead body found in the woods over in Washington. Mm-hmm. That is executed the same it, way that the wife was executed. Yeah, he's got a style. He, he shoots guys through the eye, and is a part of a, a party that is going around fishing in remote <laughs> areas of Washington. But they don't know who it is. One of those guys is Clancy Brown, so that's going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like when when uh, Herman pointed out that Cl- Clancy Brown was on the cast list, and then they they were hiding the identity. Of whoever the killer was is you know he's Clancy well, Brown. It's, also, that's the guy. He's the guy that's the Shawshank uh, Redemption uh, guard that everybody hates in yeah. Starship Troopers. He's the guy, uh, drill instructor that everybody hates in uh, Highlander. And that's he, what I was about he, to say. He's the he's the guy that everybody hates. He also used the same voice in Highlander that he used in uh, in this movie. Right. Well, it, it's you know they're trying to show five nondescript guys. And like one of they all been they all been killers though they all be, play 
villains before. Maybe, but when one of them's Clancy Brown, you're like, well, that's definitely the killer. That that's that that's one of those, and it's not like they hide it for too long because about uh, a couple of days into the uh, excursion, he just offs everybody but Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley's the tour guide. That is taking them from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. She is also the girlfriend to Tom Berenger, who is also a hiker extraordinaire who knows those Alps like the back of his hand. It's not Alps, whatever it is. Uh, Appalachians, <laughs> Rocky he, Mountains. He 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 knows he knows uh, the terrain better than anybody. So uh, Sydney basically gives him the ultimatum: Hey, you're bringing me along with you. Uh, this is also from the same guy that wrote 48 Hours, so you have that... The buddy cop feel. You have that contemptuous, uh, contentious, contemptuous, contentious relationship between two guys. I thought you were going to say cantankerous. Yeah, they, they, they don't like each other, but eventually like each other near the end sort of thing. Uh, and, uh, so it's a race, a slow race of time. Like, they're, uh, like, one side at the, at first not knowing that they're, this is a race for time. But then the other one realizing, hey, we need to get there as quickly as possible. So they're taking shortcuts that cause it make it to make it even worse. the The closest thing that you can probably compare this to is uh, it, it. It really wasn't made around the same time. But have you ever seen Sorcerer? No, I have it's not. It's a late seventies film about four people trying to transport uh, dynamite that, like, very uh, highly a- active dynamite. In uh in in these jungle areas of South America, and uh it's also based on something like it's based on a previous uh property, but but the way that they're moving from point A to point B isn't quick, but they know they got to get to point B, sort of thing, and that's that's what happens almost this entire film is you is you're dealing with this slow chase from point A to point B, and uh. And 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 uh, two people learning to uh, respect each other's profession, sort of thing. That that's basically what you got going on this entire time. And you got Sidney Poitier, who um, I, I seen. A, I haven't seen all his movies, but I have seen a handful of his movies. Heat of the Night, uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. But the movies that he sneakers, did, I haven't seen it. You never seen sneakers? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, sneakers uh, is great. I'm, I'm, I need to check it out, but. I did see uh, Uptown Saturday Night. Let's do it again, and like it's Sidney Poitier is a very good comedic a- actor. Also, he just he's he, his timing, his his style is very good, and he he plays that very well in this film. He's 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 like the serious. He goes serious from time to time, and then he go comedic so 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 effortlessly. Like it's like it's so smooth. It's like he deserved an Oscar. For some um, reason, you know. Yeah, for sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> the film you didn't see. Okay. It had has an all star cast. You didn't see it. It's got Dan Aykroyd, Ben Kingsley, Robert Redford, River Phoenix. Uh, there might be somebody else that's not coming to mind. I thought it was a female in it that was pretty. Yeah, famous. yeah. She's she's the one that that became president in uh, uh, the Battlestar Galactica, but but her name is escaping me at this point. Mm, okay. Whoever, whoever that is. Yeah. Uh, and also, the blind guy is has been in other things too. Uh, but but yeah, that movie's great. Oh, and also it's James Earl Jones in it. He he's a he's a voice until you you eventually see him at the very end, sort of thing. Okay, I gotta check this movie and out. It's got then. the guy from Thirty Something that also uh, tried to kill a girl in Field of Dreams. So <laughs> so 
Uh, getting back to the this okay. movie, there there's a oh you never saw Field of Dreams. Remember when he pushed the girl and had a piece of hot dog in her mouth? The and, only thing I seen was the the end scene when he played catch with his daddy. Oh my god! What films do you watch? I'm How cat- did you miss out on all these great '80s and '90s movies, Herman? Because in the '80s and '90s, I was ten. Yeah. And all you, right. And you were watching what? Cartoons, Transformers, GI Joe, He right. Man. Um, Elvin the Chipmunks movie. This is the fault of your parents, Herman. <laughs> you need to watch. You, they need to have horrible taste in movies, I know, yeah, so on. I can watch this. You know, stuff. you know, you got me beat on little, little year of age, but um, I could not watch anything over PG thirteen until I was actually thirteen, and I didn't turn thirteen until nineteen ninety two. Yeah, it was pretty much the same around my house too. The, yeah. the first rated R film I saw was The Untouchables, and it was. Uh, unexpected for my mom. She did. She pulled a what whenever mm-hmm. she saw like a whole bunch of blood coming out of a person, and asked, uh, "What what what is this rated?" Because it kind of sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as R rated as most mafia films are, but whenever like uh, I think it was Sean Connery's death that that pushed her over the edge. And said, what is this rated? And then she got angry at me, sort of thing. <laughs> angry at you? Yeah, because I rented it. And and at the time, I wasn't supposed to be renting that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah. anyway, uh, you have... Uh, they, they, they're braving the elements. They, they have to deal with situations that involve them push, pushing themselves to the limit to catch up with the, the this Push group. Or them. eventually, just two of the guy, two of the people, Kirstie Alley and, uh, and Clancy Brown. Uh, they escape all the way to Canada. This is where it, you would think that the movie would have ended before it reached another big city. It does not. No. They keep going even further. They they run into the Canadian police, and it felt like a bit rushed to get to the final chase scene because uh, it gets past a lot of normal red tape that you would expect in a film like this, especially when dealing with a separate country and somebody else's jurisdiction. But the guy that they run into... Whoever the main FBI officer is pretty much uh, complicit in this entire thing. He's like, hey, whatever you need. Sure, whatever. I'm Canadian. We don't get a lot of action around here, so we'll take whatever you guys have going. Yeah, because I had to ask. I'm like, do the FBI got jurisdiction in Canada? Because, I mean, they just let Sidney Poirier just... Run, run, rush out over everything. Like, well, yeah. The the final chase scene. Eventually, it's just Berenger, Poitier, and Clancy Brown uh, trying to rescue rescue Kirstie Alley from Chris uh, from Clancy Brown. They uh, the final uh, scene takes place on a uh, one of those uh, ferries. Yeah, ferry like boat. The, like, yeah. but it wasn't just a regular ferry boat. It was like almost like a ferry cruise ship. Because right. they had the whole cafeteria in there, place you could park your car. A lot of those do yeah. that whenever you're uh, dealing with like an area. Like in this case, it was Vancouver. Whenever you're having to cross from an, uh, a lake, a huge lake, to get to another point in in another town, sort of thing. So it's not unusual to see something like that. They are in the uh, Great White North, so uh, you you can't really just go by car everywhere. <laughs> you have to take whatever available transportations uh, that that's accessible, hmm. so you can be able to do this sort of thing. Uh, eventually, uh, this leads to uh, a shootout that uh, looks like they take a good piece of Sidney Poitier. Like, like three shots are taken by Clancy, and Clancy's final shot is going to be in the eye, saying, like, ha-ha, my masterpiece. I've, <laughs> I've, I've also done this one, and he ran out of bullets. So in anger, he throws, he throws Sidney and himself overboard, and uh, 
and it looks like everything's done for, but Sydney's got one of them special guns that shoot underwater. Yes. And just uh, just it just unloads on Clancy and Clancy's dead and Sydney is saved by Tom Berenger who saw, saw this and is like, "You know what? I'll let you live." Mm-hmm. And he jumps in after Sydney rescues him and then they do the whole thumbs up thing at the end showing that they're they're both badasses and they both like each other. They might as well have freeze framed it where they were both giving each other high five. The I end. was expecting Sidney Poirier to pull out on um, Tom Berridge and Lida and light it, you know, for some reason. So if you enjoy uh, action films, especially like 80s and uh, late 70s sort of action films, this has a very unique feel to it because of the the time spent in between isn't isn't with another big chase or anything. It's just them dealing with their own stupidity. Mm-hmm. And trying to get around that in order to break the peril that they are in, sort of thing. So it's it's very interesting the way that happens. They even have a moment where it looks like Sidney Poitier is going to die of hypothermia, <laughs> and they they have to build an igloo like hole in order for him to survive. And they basically, you know, just he Beringer's just like making sure his extremities don't don't like fr- froze under, so he, so Sydney doesn't like come out with like missing an arm or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, they don't show too much of the Kirstie Alley uh, Clancy Brown side because uh, I think a lot of it is explaining the implications that were going on whenever it just got down to those two. You're like, you know what? Let's see what the other two guys are up to. We don't need to yeah, see what's yeah, going that, on. Yeah, let's point. try to keep this PG-13. Was this PG-13? It's probably an R film. Okay then. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But you didn't you didn't you didn't need to see what was going on there. Uh, Clancy's a mean dude, especially during that time. He he comes off as being kind of that kind of guy. So well, we know what he did in Bad Boys. Yes, yes, he's just one of those people that does it. So uh, eventually, uh, whenever they meet up with each other, then it gets back into the chasing. Do you know the budget? Did you look it up? No, I did not. If it, I have to guess, fifty million dollars. Fifteen million dollars. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> you just saw the fifth part. Yeah. The bu- fifteen million. Yeah, uh, that's 15, not bad. Yeah, and it made thirty. So it was a hit then, huh? Yeah, that, that's about average because okay. it it because you know dealing with the marketing and all that other stuff, it probably probably costs up to about. But it doesn't. It just says thirty million in USA. Considering this was titled something else in other countries, mm-hmm. it could very well be uh, have made money over there too. But they called it Deadly Pursuit because there was a big killing that happened yeah. at the time. See, I wasn't watching these kind of movies. I was thinking about this. I was watching Police Academy movies in Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street. Back in the late eighties, yes, that would have been a completely different film if we had Mahoney and uh, <laughs> Freddie, uh, who, who's the guy that does all the shitty voices, uh, Michael Winslow, yeah, uh, but boys, Jonesy, Jones, yeah, they were the ones chasing him, and it would have been solved by uh, like there would have been he would have had uh, Kirstie Alley hostage, or and 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 you would have heard like turn around, you like what's that, or go. Oh, there's a helicopter! Oh, I'm gonna get crushed! And he's like, "Oh, there's no helicopter!" And then they shoot him. And he's like, "Aha!" So that that would have been their saving grace on that sort of thing. Uh, no, it was fine. You could tell that he made he made a series of this wasn't it. Like he made other films. Like City Boy, he came back and he made other films. Everybody else involved looked like that they got some. Uh, 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 they actually got uh, some award nominations. Uh, Image Award. Did is, was that a thing? The NWACP well, is that one? is that what they is that what it's called? It's called yeah. yeah, they it got nominated for best actor and best picture. Sort of, I don't know who won it that year. Not this. It just got nominated, so it didn't it didn't win. Okay, but I'm I'm actually fine with keeping the title 
uh, that that we have on here, Shoot to Kill. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I also want to give a shout out because I, I, we've been watching scores of movies over the past two years, and I never ever pay attention to like the score of a movie. And this is the first film that I was like. Who did the score of this film? And I just want to give a shout out to the guy who did the score of this film because <laughs> he uh, he got my attention. It was English composer John Scott. He they say he's very underappreciated. He did a lot of <laughs> who says the critics who says they, he did a lot of movies, but all, all the movies they always say the movies he was in was flops. So he didn't get enough credit. This was like his first movie he did that was. Um, that had a mild success, so he got a little bit of notoriety from it. And uh, he also did the score for the Lionheart, which they say also was a was pretty good score, also. But uh, the score was actually pretty damn good in this one. Okay. Yeah. It's showing a lot of other like he's still working today. It doesn't show like he stopped. He he's part of this. He, they have him on the soundtrack for Downsizing. <laughs> mm. And 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 Kong Skull Island. So it's not like he's he's stopped. Doing what he does. Okay, I just want to give him a shout out. I'm gonna give composer a shout out, but this uh, this time I do. He's got like 113 credits. He, I think he's doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, then um, after the shout out, he's gonna do a lot better. Okay. Because he got a shout out from Herman Omega Prime Davis. Sure. And that means a lot. <laughs> he could tell his grandchildren. Well, he's probably got great grandchildren at this time. About he. Why got is that? Why does uh, he? Why does he have to have that? Well, you he, can't tell him what to do. Yeah, well, it's it's his life, his, man. It's not up to him. Once he have kids, you can't, you can't, you can't tell, tell his grandkids what to do either. Mm-hmm. Forcing them to have kids. How dare you? It's the so you have to so, so you have to take him out to like Florida <laughs> to go to go watch like a music act and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Herman, we're doing this early to show a little inside baseball, so Herman can go to Tampa to go see Vans Warp Tour. Yeah, the Warp Tour. And he is looking forward to seeing nobody. Nobody. <laughs> the only band I know is Three O Three. Oh boy, that's the only band I know. I have no idea what that is. Three O Three is the one you know the Helen Keller song. Nope. You you can Girl, say whatever wait, you want. Hush. Do you realize when we do hush the hush your we, lips when we and do close the, your eyes and do the Helen Keller? And nope. Like nope. Pray not. Uh, when we do when we do the music any music question. Uh-huh. There, we don't overlap on this. There's no Venn diagram that can uh, contacts each other. When we were doing the 2000s, you know how I knew Queens of the Stone Age? Yeah. You knew who was in Freddy versus Jason? Yeah. And I was surprised, and you were surprised at those things? Yeah. That's because we don't overlap. That's what happens. Hey, man. That's we're not why, even close, That's man. why we're a good team, you know? We we make up for each other. All right, fair And enough. we have something in common. All right, cool. I know you know who did that. Something in common? You know? So- something in common? We got something in common. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. What makes you think I would would know that sort of thing? Whitney Houston, Bobby Brown. Okay, sure. Okay. They didn't play that on the Whitney documentary, by the way. (laughs) Did you go see that using your points? No, no, I did not. It is a little depressing. Mm -hmm. So if you're a fan of Whitney Houston, it's probably a skip. Now, there are some other documentaries out there that are definitely worth seeing, but you're off doing something else anyway this weekend. There isn't anything coming out this weekend worth seeing at all, so... Uh, n- n- this might be still two weeks down. I'm still willing to make that statement. There's nothing, whatever, whatever week this gets released, uh-huh. not worth seeing anything out in theaters. So there. <laughs> Pluck. Wait, I think um, the mag will be out by the time this gets released. Maybe. We'll see. If you go go see the mag, I, I don't recommend seeing nothing in 3D. The mag is a little bit worse. 
it's, it's worth seeing in 3D, but not, it's not a must. If you have an A-list thing, sure. That's yeah. what you're going to use it for. But no, no. Not if you're paying 15 bucks to go see a ticket, no. Well, no, see no. it at least on IMAX. No. Absolutely dream. not. No. <laughs> not worth it one bit. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else you want to promote? You want to you warn Florida you're headed over there? Uh, no. Well, no. Well, yes, yes. So <laughs> if you see uh, a nice-looking middle-aged black man, well, I, I'm middle-aged, but I look like I'm 20, mm-hmm. and I'm with two girls who call me daddy, and you be like, he look five years older than them. Right. That's me. Uh-huh. You know, just calm down. Be nice to me. You know, <laughs> I don't play my music loud. So... What? How can you? You're at a you're at a concert. They'll be playing it very loud for you. Yes. You don't have to worry about that yes. sort of stuff. So for another, there can be only one podcast. My name is Robert Rao. Herman Omega Prime Davis. Good night, everybody. Nice show. You trying to remind everybody that you are achiever? This is my little Lebowski Urban Achievers, and proud we are of them. It, it fits weird. That's why I've had it forever. It fits weird. It look, look like it's a double, a triple XL on you. Right. This is a large, and, and what? It, yeah, this is this is a nice sleeping garment. Is what I got on yeah, it's me. It's not a lower shirt, man. That's that's what they get, that's what they said. Uh, I realized that the pair of shorts that I bought. Are, uh, are 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 too black for me to wear just black shirts around. I did see that there is a new season of Venture Brothers, which means eventually Titmouse is going to have a new uh, set of shirts that I can buy, and then I'll have some fresh shirts, which is something that I normally don't buy like T-shirts or anything like that. But this is this is something I bought at Lebowski Fest. The other ones that I think I, I think you've seen is the uh, the uh, report on Louisiana Purchase that uh, that got a D. It just has Louisiana Purchase and it's got a bunch of writing on the on, around it. That I, that was also bought at Lebowski Fest, but it's a white shirt, so I wear it around all the time because I can wear white shirts around here because black shirts are the devil's tool here. About? I had a black shirt and black jeans on today. The searing heat coming on, down on you. It was only a hundred and two degrees. Ugh. That's not too hot. Is that what you're gonna do out in Florida? No, I already told him like heck, heck, oh, uh, light clothes, you know, yeah. like whatever, you know. Speaking of Venture Brothers, though, it, I was just thinking about that. I, Venture Brothers and Rick and Marty, I want them to take their time. Like, I, I, I really they wish they do. I really <laughs> wish they would come on, but I'd be like, no, take your time, do it right. Don't uh, rush they, it. they have a new season of uh, Venture Brothers coming on. Uh, okay. That's why I was saying the new shirt's going to come out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm but, but, to it. but yeah, Rick and Morty's, yeah, they, they signed a 70 episode deal. So oh, so he is going to get his 8 to yeah. 9, 10 seasons. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's, all right, let's get this started. <clears throat> Move this up to the front and...